with regard to the the reason you're here, you know, you have come here to make a retreat, and you are going to have a certain adjustment, a certain adjustment to make in being here. Uh, you leave the world, hopefully you leave it, and you come here to give your your attention your, to our Lord. Um, that's a very holy thing. Th that pleases our Lord very much, that you have made that act of the will. You have made that intention to give him your attention and your affection. I mean, this is what prayer is made of, right? Giving to Almighty God our attention and our affection. What else did St. Augustine mean when he said that prayer is raising your your mind and your heart to God, to give God your mind, your attention, and to give him your heart, your affection. And this is the very essence of prayer. And you are, you've come to do that. And you might have a difficult time doing that. Some have an easier time than others. Some are more practiced at it than others. Some have much more pressing things on their minds when they arrive, waiting for them at home. Well, they'll still be waiting for you when you get home. Don't worry, you're going to have to ask your guardian angel to take care of them for the time being. But even if you find that there are a lot of distractions for you and you have a hard time uh, concentrating at, in some ways, at some times, don't be distressed by that. Why? Because you're not losing anything. You see, when you make that intention to give to God the... 15 to 20 minutes of a day of your life to pray the rosary. You, you intend to give him that time. That even when you're praying and you're distracted, it's not as though you have changed your mind and formally taken back that time from God. Your mind is distracted. Our imaginations do that to us. Our Lord knows very well our limitations better than we do. But as long as we've made that intention to give him that time, he's accepted that. And uh, he knows it's an act of love. It's well-intentioned. You may struggle, in fact, to keep your attention and your affection focused on him. And even if there's a single Hail Mary that you have to show for it, and that's all at the end, if you've actually sincerely offered him that time and tried to give him that time, he accepts that sacrifice. Um, so in making that offering to our Lord, it still applies. It's still there. The only way you can stop that is by making a deliberate act of your intention to revoke that offering. But if you go to pray the rosary and you try and you find you're distracted, Know this, that God has accepted the offering of that time and that intention that you put aside for him. And even if you do find it a struggle and difficult to focus, and much of it is distracted, not through any intention of your own, but just because of weakness, that God blesses you for having made that intention and making that offering to him. And uh, that offering applies throughout, both when you are attentive and when you're distracted. 
the offering is still there. God takes that, and uh, he can work with that and bless you for it. So it is with a retreat, you might find that there are things that crowd into your mind and take over. But again, I mean, you put the time aside to honor our Lord and to give him your attention and give him your affection during this time. And even though you might have a more or less difficult difficult uh, time uh, fulfilling that intention, the intention remains there. You haven't invoked it. And our Lord revoked it. And our Lord will bless you for the fact that you sincerely have tried to offer him that time and that energy of you. And uh, this is what has brought you here. So just trust that our Lord uh, knows how to reward even, even the children. Um, even the children, he knows how to reward them uh, when they offer him what they can, what they have to offer now, you know that when you come out on a retreat, you're, you're somewhat like Peter. It's like St. Peter himself. One day, our Lord led the apostles up to a mountain, and they were spending the night then. And that was very common for our Lord to go off to such a place and pray. He often went to the Garden of Olives to pray. Well, this night he was praying on a mountain and the apostles were asleep. But they awakened to see something amazing. They saw our Lord transfigured before them. And the gospel tells us that his face was shining like the sun. It must have been absolutely radiant in the night. And his garments became as, as snow reflecting the rays of the sun. And as the apostles Peter, James, and John uh, looked up and they saw this, Peter was astounded as James and John, but his reaction was very Peter-esque. He had a very specific mindset, Peter. And Peter was very worldly-minded. He was a fisherman. He was very practical. And he always thought in terms of material things and worldly things. And so he spoke. Who would, who would actually think of that, speaking at a time like that, such a wonderful vision? And Peter spoke to our Lord and said to him, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let us, <clears throat> volunteering, volunteering James and John, let us set up three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elias, who had appeared with our Lord. Now, these words of Peter were cut off by a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father. And the voice of the Father thundered down and said this, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hear him. Listen to him. These words were directed principally to Peter. To silence him. To tell him, Peter, be quiet. Listen. Learn. 
Peter had a lot to learn. But even God the Father himself thundered from heaven to Peter, be silent and listen to him. Peter would, as I say, still have a lot to learn. This was the same Peter who argued with our Lord that he would not go to Jerusalem and be charged with crime and be beaten and scourged and crowned with thorns and crucified. This is the same Peter who dared argue with our Lord, denying the very purpose for which he'd come to make that sacrifice for our, our redemption. How dare Peter do that? But Peter was a very audacious man. But God the Father cut off his words and told him, Peter, listen. And that's what you've come to do. I mean, in a sense, you and I are very much like Peter at a time like that because we've got so many things in our minds and maybe we all have things in our minds that we can do for our Lord, but our Lord, our Lord wants us to listen to the Father and the Father tells us, I've sent my son to you to listen to you. So listen, listen. And that's what you're here to do. You're here to listen to what he has to say. You know, there was uh, uh, Mary and Martha, two women, given to us an example. Mary and Martha were well-to-do. Their brother Lazarus was well-known to you. He would later die, and our Lord would raise him from the dead. But Mary and Martha were entertaining guests one day, and those guests might well have come because our Lord Jesus was there, our Lord Jesus Christ was there among them. And you know that Martha was very concerned about serving the guests and keeping them entertained and keeping them well supplied with food and drink. And Mary, her younger sister, this very same Mary Magdalene, who had been rescued by our Lord, our Lord had driven seven devils from her. She listened, and that was her entire attention, attention given to our Lord. And she was of no service to her sister or to the other guests. Her entire attention was focused on our Lord. And when Martha appealed to our Lord to command Mary to stop this listening to him and to join in helping Martha, take care of the guests. You know what our Lord said. Martha, Martha, you are concerned about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. And it is with that same understanding that you're here, that you put away all these other things for this amount of time, a few days, that's all, to focus on, again, what our Lord has to say, his directions. And uh, this is the better part. This is what our Lord said. And for those who are willing to do this, it will not be taken away from them. They will not be denied. There was a man once our Lord held up as an example to. And we read about him in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. He was very short, and he was a publican. That is to say, he was a member of that group of Jewish people who were in league with the power of Rome to collect taxes. 
You know that Rome had imposed a puppet king, Herod, and his main job was to collect the taxes. And those in his employ were publicans. Zacchaeus was a prince of the publicans. He was a leader of the publicans. And his fellow Jews just detested him, not only because he would take away their hard-earned money or goods, but because he would actually take it from them and give it then to Herod, who would then supply the Romans and pay tribute. This was considered to be a betrayal of the whole people, not just thievery from the individual, but a betrayal of the whole people. And so there were actually zealots among the Jewish people who were uh, committed to assassinate people like Zacchaeus. <clears throat> but this, this man had heard that our Lord Jesus Christ was coming to his village, and he wanted to see him. Zacchaeus was not really a young man, we understand, but the expedient that he used to get to see our Lord was to climb into a sycamore tree, like a child, like a young lad, climbing up into a tree, as a boy might do, to see over the crowd. So there is proud Zacchaeus. He's well-to-do because he's considered to be basically an extortionist by his own people. And how he risked being ridiculed for that, but he was willing to take that risk. He just wanted to see our Lord, that's all. He just wanted to see him. Well, you know what happened. You know that as our Lord was passing by, he saw Zacchaeus, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus in the tree. And he called him down. He called him by name. Zacchaeus, come down. For this day I must stay in your house. Now this was beyond anything Zacchaeus had hoped for. The wonder worker from Nazareth, the great rabbi, the great teacher, Jesus of Nazareth, had called him by name and summoned him down from the tree to, uh, to actually play host to him. This was considered a great honor. Zacchaeus was so happy and so thrilled by this that even as he was providing the meal for himself and those who would come, there were many who wouldn't come into the home of a publican. But Zacchaeus stood up in the midst of the, the whole group and he said, well, if I've defrauded anyone, I will refort, ref, restore to him fourfold what I've taken. So here's Zacchaeus, in a sense, making a public confession and uh, offering to more than do restitution for the crimes that he'd committed against his people. This was quite a, uh, quite a change of heart for a man like that. People were in amazement. They were absolutely amazed at the transformation that had overcome Zacchaeus. Uh, people also blamed our Lord, though. Uh, other people blamed our Lord that he, would, that he would dine with a man like that, of such a low reputation. But our Lord had come, as he said, for sinners like you, like me, like Zacchaeus. That's precisely why he came, you know. And... Uh, he wants to do for us what he did with Zacchaeus that day. If you're willing to come here for the retreat, you've done a lot more than simply climb into a sycamore tree. 
in your home village to see our Lord. Uh, you have made some pains to come for the sake of applying your mind and your heart to him, uh, giving your the energies of your mind and your heart to him. And he will say, come down, I must stay in your house. I must abide with you. I must abide with you. And our Lord will feast with you. So have confidence in him. This is what the retreat is all about. The retreat is all about exactly this. Um, making yourself, your mind and your heart available to our Lord. Uh, so that, that he can give you his thoughts. He can give you access to his thoughts and access to his heart. We are here within the octave of the Feast of the Sacred Heart of our Lord, which is, as I mentioned, a sanctuary. And our Lord wants to give you access to his heart during this retreat. So put aside everything else to the extent that you can. Uh, to be mindful, be mindful of our Lord. Be mindful of his love for you and ask him to uh, enable you to make a return of love for to him too. So with that in mind, we're going to uh, have benediction here at, uh, at nine o'clock. So I ask you to uh, spend a little time in prayer, you're going to see that the conferences are going to progress in a certain way. Now, I can't tell you uh, the theme of Father Greenwell's conferences. Um, he gave me their, the, the topics that he would be speaking on. I'll let him cover that with you. But there is something very important to me that I think should be very important to you. And something so important, the fact that I think if it's something that you miss, you miss something really essential about our faith. And um, I want to, in the conference tomorrow morning, uh, take a look at our Lord's words at the Last Supper. And I want you to notice this constant theme of our Lord's words at the Last Supper. Uh, in his discourse to his apostles, our Lord was striving to bring something into their minds and keep it in their minds and fix it permanently in their minds. And I want to talk about what that is. I want then to show you at the conference after that how we realize that in the Holy Mass, how that is actually fulfilled in the Holy Mass. It makes sense that our Lord's words at the Last Supper when he consecrated his body and blood for us, which would be offered for us in sacrifice. It makes sense that he would, he would then instill that in the Mass, in the Church herself, learning from our Lord's words at the Last Supper, that the Church itself would convey that same message to us in the Holy Mass. But I find that it can be lost on Catholic people. When Catholics from the cradle... And yet, there's something important that they seem to be missing here. A very important aspect of the faith, important to our Lord, important to the Church, to convey in the Mass, and yet, it seems a lot of Catholic people are very surprised when they first hear about it. Well, I don't know if you'll be surprised, but there are many who are. And I 
I think it, we, we need to focus on that. We need to focus what our Lord focuses on at the Last Supper. We need to focus on what the church focuses on in the Mass so that we can actually pray the Mass as we should as Catholics. So um, then the conference after that, I, I want to talk about um, an obstacle. The obstacles to focusing on what our Lord himself directs us, directs us to focus on. The obstacles and how we can overcome them. And we'll deal with that. We'll deal with uh, the matter of pride and humility because this is the great obstacle. And we'll look at what the saints say about the forms that pride takes, how we recognize it, how it can disguise itself as a false humility, and why that is even more dangerous than just out-and-out pride, and how we, can, how we can overcome that for the sake of our Lord. And uh, that overcoming our pride, then, we can see because it is our pride that blinds us to the things we need to see. And when we can overcome that pride, then the scales fall from our eyes, as they did from St. Paul, from Saul. And then we can actually see things for what they really are, see ourselves for who we really are, and begin to see God for who he really is. So this is what I want to accomplish in the first few conferences tomorrow. So let's pray and be on our way. I ask you to take some time in the chapel. But I'll meet you there. The bell will ring at 5 to 9. We'll have benediction ready to pray. Um, and before the Blessed Sacrament, we'll pray the five glorious mysteries.